Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the scriptures for this weekend, God defines himself to Moses. He says, I am who I am. So it begs the question, how do we define God? Or better yet, what is our image of God? If you talk to Catholics, older Catholics, their spiritual life was dominated by fear. Fear of God, fear of sin, judgment, hell. And then a few decades later, the pendulum, you could say, swings the other way. And younger Catholics, their spiritual life was emphasized by God's love, God's overwhelming compassion. So don't worry, God loves you. In fact, don't worry about sin and don't worry about whether you practice your faith or not. God loves you. And so sin and judgment was put up on a shelf and the door was closed. What's the result? Well, spiritual complacency. Herein lies the message for this weekend. We have to avoid both extremes, fear as well as complacency. Instead, we have to live between the two. A good analogy to help you understand this better is an athlete. Whatever the sport, an athlete, whether it's a man or a woman, if they are afraid every time they take the field or every time they take the court and they say to themselves, unless I make the big play, we're going to lose. Or unless I play well, I'm going to be cut from the team. Well, if they constantly are playing in fear, they're never going to enjoy playing the game. Just the opposite holds true. If the athlete is complacent, they don't want to practice, they don't take the sport seriously, they will never be a good player. If you look at some of the best players in sports history, Aaron Rodgers, Michael Jordan, they lived in between fear and complacency. That's one of the things that made them such a great player in their sport. And so the scriptures for this weekend help us to live in between that fear and complacency. Now fast forward to the gospel. Here we have the parable of the fig tree that's not producing fruit. The owner sees that and he wants to cut it down. And yet the gardener pleads with the owner to work for a year with that fig tree to water it and fertilize it. And after a year, if it doesn't produce any fruit, it will be cut down. Now, that's hard language. That is very hard language. And yet, this is what God wants from us in the spiritual life, for us to produce spiritual fruit in our prayer life. When we go to Mass every week, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, engaging stewardship. And yet, on the other hand, if you look throughout sacred scripture, you see this flowerly language that God uses about God's compassion, his love, his generosity for us. I'll give you some examples. Isaiah 49, 15. God says, Could a mother ever forget her child? I will never forget you. 
or Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. God says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even born, I dedicated you, a prophet to all the nations. And so it raises the question, how can this be true? How can God use the strong language and yet also at the same time use a gentle language? Well, I think good parents know the answer to this question. Good parents want to always move their children in between that space, between fear and complacency. Think of it. If a child is always afraid, especially afraid of their parents, they won't be able to develop and grow. And yet at the same time, if a child is complacent, they simply won't care. They won't care about their schoolwork or work around the house. They won't apply themselves. And they won't develop a sense of responsibility. Well, therefore, parents are constantly moving their children into that center space between fear and complacency. How do they do it? With the language of love. Parents know that there are times when they have to speak gently and lovingly to their children in order for them to encourage them and grow. And yet there are other times in which parents need to speak strong and motivational language to hold their child accountable and responsible. In doing so, the parents are speaking a language of love to their children. I'll give you another great example of this. Just a few months ago, I was watching, I think on PBS, some tapes that were uncovered about Vince Lombardi. Now, we all have seen pictures of Vince Lombardi being carried off on the shoulders of his players after they won championship after championship after championship. Or we've seen pictures of Vince Lombardi after a game, you know, smiling and hugging his players. Yet in these tapes that were uncovered, we see a different side of Vince Lombardi. We see Vince Lombardi at practices literally screaming and yelling at players if they missed a play or they were playing poorly. He was motivating them to do so for the players themselves, to play up to the potential he knew that they could play at. And see, great coaches know that. They know that delicate balance of language. There are times in which they must speak gently to their players, and there are other times in which they must speak a strong and motivational language to their players. Well, God does the same way. He knows that delicate balance, and it's the language of love. He knows that there are times he must speak gently to us, and other times he must speak strongly to motivate us to always stay within that center in the spiritual life. great example of this is the first reading. Notice what God is doing with Moses. He's moving them to the spiritual center between fear and complacency. Notice how the story begins. Moses sees the burning bush, but it piques his curiosity because it's not consumed by the fire. And now we hear that gentle voice calling Moses. God says, Moses, Moses. Now notice, God calls Moses by name. He intimately knows Moses. He intimately knows us by name. I always say, God knows us better than we know ourselves. The other thing that we can take from this is it's God who is calling out to Moses. God is actively pursuing Moses. I've said time and time again, our God is a God that searches and actively pursues us. I've mentioned many times 
Don't be duped by that new age spirituality that is becoming so prevalent in our culture that renders God as this distant figure off in the horizon waiting for us to actively search and find him. That's not the biblical God. The biblical God that we believe in actively searches for us. And you see this in this first reading. Now Moses, he goes over to the bush. Immediately God says, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. And so now we begin to see that balance, that language of love. First, God called out to Moses in a gentle way. And now, in a strong way, he tells him to remove his sandals. He's on holy ground. Next, God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, those were all great leaders of the Israelite nation, and God knows them intimately, which proves God is not a distant figure, but he's essentially involved intimately in our lives. God enters into our experience, especially into our suffering, and that's what he's going to do. He knows the Israelites are suffering in slavery in Egypt, and now he's going to liberate them. A couple weeks ago, we had a person come in, Dan Schulz. He gave a mission at both of our parishes. And one of the things that he emphasized and caught my attention, he said that our God is a God that lives in the presence. And that's where God wants us to live. He mentioned that many people are locked into the past, regretting their decisions or their actions, and they can't get out of that. They are so locked into that, they can't live in the present. Or... There are people that are locked into the future, fearing the future. They're locked in on the potential of what might happen to them in the future or the decisions that they make in the future. But Dan emphasized, our God is a God that wants to be in the presence, in the presence of our life, so that we can be fully alive in God's presence. I've mentioned before the quote from St. Irenaeus, God is glorified when the human being is fully alive. Well, what prevents us from being fully alive? Physical and psychological suffering, sin itself, they all prevent us from being fully alive. And yet God wants to enter into the presence of our life, here and now, so that we can be fully alive. More to it, God knows our struggles. He knows our sufferings. And therefore, he wants to be intimately present in those struggles to free us. Notice what God says. The Lord God said, I have witnessed the affliction of my people in Egypt, and have heard the cry of the complaint against their slave drivers, and so I know well what they are suffering. God knows the position of the Israelites living as slaves to the Egyptians, and now he wants to liberate them, and he needs Moses' help. Now, Moses, what does he say next or ask of God? When I go to the Israelites and tell them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, if they ask, what is your name, what should I tell them? Now, at first, it seems like a reasonable request, but start to think about it in another way. If you know a person's name, you have some control over them. Say, for example, I know your name and I call out to you and you immediately, you turn around and now you are looking at me and I am holding your attention. Well, now I have control over you. And I think that's what Moses is trying to do. And notice how God responds to Moses. He says, tell them, I am who I am. 
God is telling Moses, I'm not just one God amongst many. And realize in the ancient world, there were many pagan gods. There were Egyptian gods, Greek gods, gods of many different seasons and festivals. When God says, I am who I am, he's saying, I'm not one particular God of a season or a place. Our God is the one true God who cannot be controlled, who reigns over this entire universe and yet actively pursues us to be present in our life. One last thing to think about. After this exchange, he sends Moses back to the Israelites in Egypt to begin the work of liberating them. God wants us to participate in his work of bringing that language of love to people in this world, especially those that need to hear it the most. Friends, we have to realize we have the privilege to be drawn into the life of God. And the first reading proves that. And we also have the privilege to do his work by first listening to that language of love that God speaks to us and then being able to speak that same language of love to others in this world that need to hear it the most. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.